Hello, and welcome to A Well-Read Life. This is a place to share stories about good books and the reading life. I'm your host, Beth Jamison. Join me as I meander through my reading journey and discover the books that make up A Well-Read Life. I was a young preteen when my mom first placed Daddy Longlegs in my hands. It could not have come at a more perfect time. I was still a little lonely, still without a sense of connection in our new community in Georgia. I felt lost and in need of friends. And into my life came Jerusha Abbott, the vivacious heroine of Daddy Longlegs. Her life oddly mirrored my own in ways. I felt understood when I read Jerusha's story. And really, what more can a child on the cusp of adolescence ask for than to be seen and understood? But this was a favorite book when I was a girl. Will I still love this book as an adult? Well, to find out, here's the rest of the story. Written by Jean Webster in 1912, Daddy Longlegs is the story of Judy Abbott, an orphan and a resident of the John Greer home. Judy is sent to a women's college by an anonymous benefactor after he reads an essay she wrote for her high school class. The one stipulation is that she must write a monthly letter about her progress in college. Judy thrives in her new surroundings, and her monthly letters that soon become more frequent are filled with her new experiences at college, her studies, her friendships, and her budding romances. It is delightful and funny and an utter joy to read. I love this book. It's one of my favorites, my mom said as she handed me a copy of Daddy Longlegs. Isn't this how so many book lovers start their conversations? We stood in between the rows of books at our library, the distinct library smell, books musty and new all rolled into one, surrounding us. And my mom began to describe how Judy, a young woman from a children's home, is sent to college by a mysterious benefactor. I'm sure mom continued to sell the book in that winsome way of hers, but she had me at orphan, college, and mystery. I added the book to my stack and eagerly waited to get home to read it. I was in my pre-teens, still adjusting from a cross-country move from Texas to Florida, and then shortly after a move to Georgia. I was a little lonely and in need of roots. The girls at my school were cliquish and standoffish to newcomers. Many of them had gone to school with each other since kindergarten. I had a few friends, but could manage to break into the larger group. I spent many anxious hours in class when I should have been doing schoolwork, worrying about who I would find to play with on the playground that day, or sit by at lunch, or join if we had group work. I felt alone, misunderstood, and out of my depth. And then Mom placed this book in my hands. If we're lucky, our childhood will be filled with unforgettable heroes and heroines. Those who inspire us and encourage us through hardships and help us see that no matter the circumstances, restoration and redemption are possible. They are companions of a sort, helping us to navigate the waters of life. Mine were Anne of Green Gables, Maddie from the Hundred Dresses, Lori Ingalls, and Jerusha Abbott. What would my childhood have been like without Jerusha Abbott, or Judy as she renames herself after leaving the children's home? I wonder... She is a spunky, funny, irrepressible heroine, but one who is also acquainted with grief. From the moment I held the faded blue cloth-bound cover, a literary torch passed from mother to daughter, Judy became one of my heroines. 
I read this book countless times as a young girl. Enamored with the letters that Judy writes to her benefactor, to whom she has given the moniker Daddy Longlegs. I've always loved epistolary novels and nonfiction books of letters. I loved writing and receiving letters as a child. I still do, and practice this dying art with a few close friends. Curious child that I was, this type of novel allowed me to see into the heart and mind of the character, to know her inner workings. I remember impatiently reading through the first section of Daddy Longlegs, the non-epistolary part, anxious to get to Judy's words. They were filled with her college escapades, the friendships she made, cobbling together a type of family for a girl who had never known one. The books she was reading for the first time, her blossoming romances, her struggle to begin the craft of writing, all of these straight from Judy's pen. It is of little wonder that I was tempted to skip the first section and start with the letters. But rule follower that I am, I couldn't do it. And so I would always start from the beginning. I was entranced by her transformation from nearly aging out of her children's home to blossoming into a young woman at a women's college in early 20th century New England. Although I was still a young girl, I sympathized with her struggles to make her way as a writer, a secret wish of my own. In the perfect safety of a book, Judy made it possible for me to have this dream. If she could wrestle her way to finding her voice, so could I. I bought my first copy at a book fair in fifth or sixth grade, a mass market paperback with a portrait of a young woman in a 1980s rendition of an early 20th century dress. In spite of the anachronistic nature of the imagined Judy's costume and my aversion to ugly covers, I bought it. Years later, my mom found a green cloth bound every man's children's classic edition with a colored illustration by the author on the front, Judy holding an umbrella in a simple line drawing, and had it waiting under the tree on Christmas morning. In spite of our ages, neither of us have outgrown our love of children's books. I take this copy down. My old paperback was donated years ago, leafing through its creamy pages to remind myself of the story and the years since I've read it. My eyes catch little snippets of sentences here and there, and I am reminded of how dearly I love Judy Abbott her sincerity and vulnerability. I am brought back to childhood through these pages, with all of my naivety of what the world was, and yet my feet are firmly planted in the present and the woman I have become. I suppose it shows the power of these little stories. They truly contain worlds and lifetimes for us. It has been so many years since I've read this book, and the distance in years has made some of the finer points of the story hazy. I remember who the benefactor turns out to be, and I remember Judy's friends, Sally McBride and Julia Rutledge Pendleton, and her summer visits to Lock Willow Farm, and the books she reads late at night to complete her education, as she calls it, and her trunk full of new clothes to replace the hated blue gingham. But so many of the finer details of the book are lost to memory. So I take it off the shelf again one sunny morning this summer and seek to get reacquainted with this well-loved book after a long absence, to rediscover what I have forgotten. My best friend has just read Daddy Longlegs for the first time. She read quotes from it on her birthday when we met at the cute small town with our favorite children's bookstore. It was her enthusiasm over the book and its lovely words that are drawing me back to reading it. But all that morning, after I plucked it off the shelf, I hesitate opening the book. 
Where has the excitement gone? I had space and time to read it as my infant daughter slept. She is a miracle napper most days. But I find a myriad of things to do. I notice the clutter in my house and make a plan to get to it someday. I pick up my phone for a few minutes, I tell myself, to clear my head. But I leave the green cloth-bound book on my desk next to half-finished notebooks filled with writing ideas. I ask myself why, as I go about my morning ritual of preparing tea and breakfast, why am I so hesitant to pick up one of my most beloved childhood books? I'm an advocate for rereading a book, and yet I hesitate. Why? A moment to consider, and I have my answer. I knew it all along, I think. Fear. The dread and trepidation that any reader feels when rereading a beloved book. Will it hold up a second time? Will I still love it? And most dreaded of all, have I outgrown it? I have a friend who hated a book she loved as a child when she reread it as an adult. Will I be like her? I have a little of this fear when I pick up Daddy Longlegs. I sit down at my desk, allow myself a moment to breathe. The scent of currant and vanilla from my tea tickles my nose, and I notice the graceful lines of the flowers on my desk. I check the monitor one last time to be sure my daughter is sleeping soundly, and I pick up the book. I know it is time. I open the book to the first page and read the line, The first Wednesday in every month was a perfectly awful day. I have wet my toes, and now it is time for the plunge. For better or worse, I must see if Judy Abbott stands the test of time, or if she must be relegated to memory, a long-ago beloved representation of my childhood. For a few blissful days, I get reacquainted with this charming book. From the moment I started reading, I knew this book was a forever classic in my heart. I feel the fear dissipate, blessedly, as I read the first section, Blue Wednesday. I will never outgrow my desire to skip ahead and get to the letters, but I have a new appreciation for this section. It's the only glimpse of Judy we get from someone else's perspective, and it's a lovely contrast to the rest of the story. I could write pages on this little book. I've already filled up pages with notes, little comments scribbled in pencil. The book is too precious to underline or write in, and so I'm content to hold my conversation off to the side in my green notebook. I write down little phrases, small asides that speak of Judy's loneliness and longing for a home and a family, the depth of which went over my head in childhood. But now it's there, and I ache over it. Did this make some impression on me as a child? When I read it now, I remember the words to take care of the widow and the orphan. They ring through my heart and mind. I wonder if a seed was planted by this book. Judy, alone in the world, longs to be part of a family. In so many of the heartfelt, joyful, spirited letters, she is pleading for a place to belong. Sometimes it is below the surface, but many times it isn't. I feel as if it is a gift that Jean Webster gives us. We can stand in Judy's shoes for a bit, and we know what it is like to grow up without a family to hide our past because we will be misunderstood or isolated or shamed, as Judy does, holding the secrets of her past from her new friends. There are a few passages that give me pause. The book is light in tones. The weight of the secret is never fully explored. 
Judy is spirited and resilient and comes to a happy ending. And I did too, meeting many dear, lifelong friends a few years after our move. The hint of shame and loneliness is enough to stay with me, though. I remember the connection that I felt to this book when I first read it. The shared sisterhood of loneliness. I, too, have tasted the bitter waters of rejection. It is the undercurrent of this that stays with me. It is a sobering reminder to be aware of the loneliness of those around me and to seek to bring connection in the empty places where I can. I write down other notes on my changed view of the romance. I copy down my favorite quotes, Judy's view of Shakespeare after reading Hamlet for the first time. I knew she was a kindred spirit then. I jot down my disagreement with her over Wuthering Heights, a book I loathe, and I feel a little betrayed that she likes it. I thought she had better sense. My notes are a sort of compiled list of all the things I love about this book, my new thoughts and revelations. I could write my own letter of gratitude and love to this slim volume of girlhood. Among other things, I believe that, along with a few other books from childhood, it opened up my heart to adoption. It's how I believe that God was preparing me for the sweet, perfect little girl that he would have for me and my husband so many decades later. I am reminded, too, of how much I wanted to be like Judy when I was a girl. Friendly, bold, confident, not shy or insecure. I am wistful in my remembrances. What more could I want for my own daughter than that she have a touch of Judy Abbott in her? I am indebted for this reminder. I turned the last page months ago, and though I've read the book countless times, I was sorry to see it end. There is no more fear if this book will hold up or not. It has stood the test of time. I will return to it in its own right now as much as for nostalgia. In times when joy is called for, comfort needed, and to be refreshed by the delightful ways of Judy, it has earned its place on my bookshelf. The day before I started reading it, I showed the book to my daughter, holding her beautiful little chubby hands in mine as we looked at the green cover. I whispered to her how much I loved this book when I was a girl. With the assurance that this book stands the test of time, I will bring Daddy Longlegs to my daughter again when she's older. And as my mother said to me, I will say to her, I love this book. It's one of my favorites. I hope you love it too. Read this book for the character of Judy Abbott. She is a delight and you won't regret getting to know her. Share this book with the girls in your life so that they can have a heroine to laugh with and one who will fill them with joy, but also one who, without being heavy-handed, will open up conversations about being a friend to the lonely and those who are looking for a home and a place to belong. This episode is dedicated to my mom. Thank you for sharing this book with me. And to Elizabeth for putting this book back on my radar. Here's to 20 plus more years of friendship, dear friend. And finally, to my darling E, may God infuse your childhood with good stories. <laughs>